0: Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. All right, ten thirty eight. Getting a little bit of a late start here. Uh, let's let's dive in. We're gonna try to keep him as long as we can, at least till the top of the hour, if he can. Uh, let me introduce you to Dash Wong, who's got a fascinating story. I don't know if we use all all three. Do, Duong Wong is that what it is?
1: Yeah, Dash Dong Wong. Dong
0: Wong. Okay. Uh, <laughs> do you do you use all three typically, or you just go by Dash Wong normally?
1: Uh. I mean, depending on how I'm getting introduced, but I do like to introduce the whole thing because it comes with a story. Okay, let's do it
0: then. Dash Shong Wong is joining us in the studio today. Westmore, Justin Akery, and The Wizard, Christian Weaver. And I was telling the morning guys, and I was talking to Wes a little bit too, you've got uh, one of the more remarkable stories I've ever heard before. Uh, I mean, we talk about people who came from not much or came from really nothing. I mean, you came from almost less than nothing because you were dealt some handicaps in addition to not having much as a kid. Uh, you went through hell and eventually turned yourself into a Navy SEAL. Um, I'm sure there were some people who helped you along the way. I know you eventually um, you know, got into a little more stable home environment, but your story is remarkable and I appreciate you coming up today. Well, thank you so much for having me. So, you know, we can go into the details as much as you want to about your, your upbringing and I guess your, your mother... Um, but, uh, you know, she was in the entertainment industry, was a difficult upbringing for you. And then, you know, eventually you were on your own. And it wasn't just that, but it was, you know, some of the stuff you went through. But, uh, you know, if you would just kind of fill our listeners in on what was a, a less than easy start in your life.
1: Sure. Uh, so I was born and raised in beautiful paradise of Honolulu, Hawaii. Um, but my upbringing definitely, as you, as you elaborated on, was, uh, was um, not very normal. Uh, I actually got left at a hospital uh, the day I was born then because of that my birth certificate was one line so I was nicknamed dash um, my mom ended up getting custody custody of me again and uh, from then from the ages of one and a half to about 12 uh, a lot of drug abuse and uh, yeah uh, she like you said the entertainment industry but uh, uh we ended up being homeless uh, I grew up on on the beaches of Waikiki I had a little shower that I'd go to and I had a little uh, gas station that I'd get corn dogs from so um, different perspective, looking back at it now, I get to take my kids to all those spots and show them, and i like, this is where dad kind of grew up as a kid, this is where I skateboarded, and uh, I was blessed, and I say this funnily, but I was blessed to get arrested, um, luckily, because I was a minor out in public with no parent, at, uh, after hours of curfew, and because of that I got put into foster care, from foster care, I got adopted by the Wongs, so um, very thankful for that, because it did start off my educational career, and then got me to where I'm at today yeah well
0: not many people would grow up on Waikiki Beach and make it sound awful but you definitely went through hell as a kid so it I've been there a couple of times and I'm thinking boy this is such a beautiful place but you were obviously not a beautiful situation um, you were uh, selling I understand products on the beach to try to make it make it through and then also you got to tell me about this fight club situation I didn't get enough detail on that from a podcast I listened to but you were I guess fighting for money I guess as a kid uh,
1: yeah it wasn't by choice Um, it was from one of my, I guess you could call it one of my mom's handlers, but she was into prostitution. And uh, because of that, I got put into an underage uh, fight club. So they would bet on us. We uh, would get the snot beat out of us. And then through that, they would get money and I would get fed. Um, that was kind of the, the premise of that. And honestly, looking back at it, it was a, it was a perspective change, right? I didn't really see my situation of anything that was out of the normal. I kind of just saw it as something that I was dealt and something I had to deal with. Um, but the relationships and the engagements that I had with some of these kids, like we literally were just fighting because we were told to. Um, we didn't have any beef with each other, um, but that was kind of our situation. Yeah. In terms of selling, um, I did want to make money to go to this arcade. I'll never forget it. Uh, this game was Metal Gear Slug, where you put the quarters in the machine, and I was infatuated with this game. So I was motivated to sell these lays. I used to pick some plumer- plumeria flowers um, off the trees. And they're just littered all throughout the streets of Hawaii. And Mm -hmm. I'd string them up with fishing lines, sell it to tourists for 10 bucks, And I thought I was making a killing, which in that day, back in the 90s, it was. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I don't know if that translates to me being in sales with the company that I am now. But uh, definitely changed my mindset into like a more of an entrepreneurial mindset. Yeah.
0: Well, he's with uh, the company Killcliffe and we'll talk about their energy drinks coming up in a bit. But um, So we have to kind of shorten the story. I'd love to do this over a couple of hours, but we're not going to have time to do that. So um, you eventually got adopted and inspired, and inspired, uh, you know, you saw some people doing something, and, you know, much like most boys do, if the girls think it's cool, it's like, well, maybe I want to do that. Yeah. But uh, obviously things took a turn for the better eventually for you.
1: It did. Um, like I said, I was I was blessed to be adopted by the Wong family. Uh, so that's hence the name I got, the name Dash Dong Wong, which uh, definitely started my naval career was an a, a eye-opener to a lot of my instructors because they're looking for the one Asian kid in the room and I don't really fit that bill, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, I, I was in a, when I joined high school, I started school in the fifth grade, um, had a really rough start because I was so far behind. Uh, the Wong family put me in all these after-school programs, got me caught up to speed, I ended up graduating with honors, uh, got a letter from, uh, Linda Lingle, who was the governor at the time to join the Air Force Academy. So my trajectory was, uh, definitely somewhere in the military. I wanted to get off the island, travel the world and, uh, do something, uh, exponential with my life. Uh, took a career change because my best friend at the time, surfing buddy, swim buddy, was like, I'm joining the Navy and, uh, definitely want you to come with me. And I heard the signing bonuses at the time, uh, and it was it was intriguing. They were pretty remarkable, right? Yeah, for, a good chunk of money for a kid at seventeen. It was I think at the time it was eighteen thousand. I yeah. was like, oh yeah, that sounds a lot better than going to the Air Force Academy. Do kick myself in the butt a little t- little bit, but I wouldn't change it for the world now. Mm-hmm. Um, joined the Navy in two thousand five, and um, I actually went through what's called a SWIC program. So uh, SEALs and Swicker are broken up into two, two different categories. Uh, we specialize in uh, maritime mobility, um, counter-drugs, and uh, anti-piracy. So work hand-in-hand with the SEAL teams, but yeah, it was a very fast-paced, high, uh, high-risk high evolution. So
0: Gotcha. So you stayed in that trajectory, or did you end up in the SEAL program?
1: Uh, so I stayed in that trajectory, ended up getting embedded into the SEAL teams uh, in 2013, and uh, from that we did a...
0: Uh, and listen, you talked before. One of the big things that the, they they do that you the SWIC program does, that you guys uh, like uh, coming into small rooms and 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 dealing with basically high stress situations, and that's one of the things that they they're focused on, I guess. That you guys weren't. That's correct.
1: Um, yeah, so we kind of broke it off so we could, uh, I guess, how did you say, it? Uh, break up the responsibilities yeah. within the t- uh, the SEAL teams. I mean, they they have to do everything under the sun, whether it's breaching, sniping, uh, jumping, underwater uh, demolition. Uh, we took the categories of mobility insert and extract, so we became what's called the SMEs of that of that world, so the subject matter experts of bringing guys onto target, securing the target, and then bring them off so that way they could focus on their specialty, whether it's hostage rescue or what they need to focus on. So
0: We're talking to Dash Dong Wong if you're just tuning in. He is uh, representing Kill Cliff, and we're... Going to talk a little bit about his story, and then we'll talk about the company in a minute. Um, you, uh, you know, the training of it. I, I thought it was fascinating. I heard you on a podcast, and the the training that goes into it. I think most people realize that when you're in that level of the military, that is not easy. But uh, some of the stuff you did was remarkable. One of the things that stood out to me, Wes, as a guy who runs very slowly. Is you told me at your peak, I guess, or you didn't tell me, but you told this podcaster that you were running five minute miles or around five minute miles for up to ten miles.
1: Ten to twelve miles. Yeah, my average pace was about five twenty, five thirty-five. You
0: know how dumb that is. <laughs> I c- I couldn't run down a mountain that fast <laughs> one mile, let alone ten of them. That's ridiculous. Now you're not the biggest dude, so that was a challenge in some ways. But obviously, you had some advantages in some other areas, right?
1: Sure. I mean, anytime I had to put a pack on my back or or wear a kit, it was definitely uh, it d- definitely added to the challenge. it it, it kind of broke me. Um, but every type of other evolution, whether it be running, swimming, push-ups, pull-ups, berm runs, getting wet and sandy—I mean, I kind of excelled in that because my body mass and, and weight was low. Mm-hmm. So, and I also uh, less sustained to injury, which was nice. Um, but yeah, it was—it was it an was interesting program. I guess the biggest perspective I had with my upbringing, from where I started to when I, I joined the Navy and I was getting, you know, the snot beat out of me, was I was like I was so stoked. To be an environment where I lived on the beach, I had an apartment, I got three meals a day, plus they were paying me. Yeah, I actually I actually thought it was comical. I was like, I I get to play in the pool all day. Yeah, and if I pass out, you're gonna resuscitate me, and I just keep to go get to keep going. I was like, what's the big deal?
0: Tell our listeners about the <laughs> the brick story. That was one of the more compelling ones I thought of one of the oh. training deals where you were kind of the last man swimming. I guess was, not standing.
1: Yeah, um, so we do we do a uh, what's called the brick tread. And basically, it's a two pound brick and It kind of simulates uh, carrying an, a rifle or whatnot. But you have a, a, a swim team of, and I, my boat crew was 12 guys. And you basically, everyone had their brick and everyone had to carry their load and their weight. That was your responsibility. Like, what it, it trajects to be actually being the team. Like, You don't pass on your responsibilities to someone else because they're going to have to carry the whole workload. So they're trying to instill that into us. Well, guys started quitting within like two minutes. And when someone quits, the bricks get passed on. You don't get to drop the brick or take the brick out of the pool. The rest of your boat crew takes on that responsibility. Uh, lo and behold, I had all 12 bricks, and I was sitting at the bottom of the pool. I remember holding my BDU shirt out, and I had all these bricks in there. And I just sat there, and every now and then I'd jump up to the top. That was a 15-foot deep pool. Catch a, catch a deep breath, kind of survey the area, and be like, where is everybody? And I'd sink back down to the bottom to the point where I was rubbernecking, about to pass out, got ripped out of the pool. And uh, the instructors were just like, "Do you see this guy? Do you, the the smallest, youngest, most uh, guy who would, they they were suspected I wasn't gonna sure. make it two weeks. Right? And they're like, he's still in there, and you guys just dumped all of this onto him. And, uh, but I was happy to take it. I just I just didn't know any better.
0: How much do you think your upbringing mentally steeled you for that? Um,
1: I think all of it. I really do. I, I just
0: felt like every opportunity was was
1: a blessing I was sto- I was I was really excited to be where I was at and uh, the whole lure of actually joining my organization was because I grew up with nobody or no family or no establishment this, there's this thing called the brotherhood within the teams mm-hmm. and it's a place where you belong it's a place where you know everyone's relying on your skill sets and and uh, expecting you to operate at a certain level like There's a lure to that for me, and I wanted to be held accountable to the rest of my guys. Um, Because of that, I I just went all in.
0: And then you went how long? How long was your career? Uh, 16 years. Okay. And then you were forced to retire, I guess. And we're going to talk about that on the other side. Let's take a quick break if we can. Sure. And then I want to talk about, obviously, the company as well, Killcliff, which is uh, interesting. And uh, there's some military connections there, actually significant military connections there, too. So we'll continue on with Dash Dong Wong coming up after the break. It's 10.50. Stay with us. All right. We're going to have to fast break this. We've only got about five or six minutes left with Dash Dong Wong, who's in studio. We're talking about uh, – well, we haven't talked about it yet. We're going to talk about Killcliff, which is what you're here to chat about. In addition to sharing your story, which I really appreciate, uh, I just got a tip that uh, I need to ask you about the longest you've stayed away, because I guess this is part of a mission?
1: Uh, gosh. Now, I'm trying to recall the situation. Oh, yeah. It was over. It was actually over. I think it was 128 hours. Um, In a row. Yeah. And yeah, that's
0: the hard part. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Uh,
1: lot delirium, uh, yeah, a lot of delirium. A lot of hallucinating, and... Um, but. Yeah.
0: I have seen the break. What was harder, the training, which is hell, sure. or the missions? And you, I was thinking, oh, the training. Kind of like, you know, we talked about this with Coach Richardson. Like, once you went through practices, games yeah. were easy. Not the case for you.
1: No. And uh, I'm really glad you brought it up. Um, yeah. I, I, we do joke around, like, oh, man, the only easy day was yesterday and all these, all these awesome terms that we have within SOCOM. But the amount of responsibility loads that you have overseas and the expectation is so much higher because it all falls within your shoulders. When you're in a training program or a training line, uh, you have expectations that the instructor set for you, and you just meet those goals. Mm-hmm. Versus now, everything is your responsibility. You set your structure and your guidelines, and you have to hold yourself accountable. Uh, whole different, different mindset there, yeah.
0: So you were diagnosed with cancer, and we have to kind of compact the story a little bit. But you ended up losing a lung in the process, which ended your military career, and then you're left with, "What do I do now?"
1: Yeah. What a kick in the gut that was, Uh, especially being so, so specialized in my field, Um, trying to figure out, am I going to transition to private security? I'm going to work for all these cool, uh, uh, you know, unheard of companies to go overseas. Uh, My was like, you're going to have nothing to do with it. So super blessed to uh, have the opportunity to work with the Navy SEAL Foundation, big transition groups, you know, teaching you how to tie a tie, wear a new suit, different types of uniforms. Uh, in that, I got to meet a huge influencer, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk from Vayner Media up in New York City. Um, came up with the plan to drive a Volkswagen across America and interview veterans. Uh, I remember putting on a, a Venn diagram or a triple vi- diagram of the three things that I really love and invest in. It was the veteran community. It was my family or travel in a Volkswagen bus because I really like working on these engines. And uh, so drew it all together. I was like, well, guess we're going on a road trip for a year. Uh, with that, the SEAL Foundation said, hey, you might as well reach out to Kill Cliff. They're the official partners of our organization, and they supply a lot of funding as well as assets. And uh, it's it's a SEAL team company. So the avenue was there. Uh, the relationships were made. And, gosh, I wouldn't change that. that was it's, it's an amazing company to work for. And the amount that we still do for the SEAL Foundation and multiple other veteran organizations makes me proud to be where I'm at. So what is your official role with them? Uh, so I manage the relationships with the Navy SEAL Foundation as well as our organization. Uh, I also support in DSD uh, distributor sales and marketing, and then I also have a hand in operations and logistics.
0: Yeah. So this is in the market now. Yes, and it came in when? How long ago? Five. Five, five days? days. Yep. Oh, it's still fresh. Still got that new uh, Kill Cliff smell to it. That's great. Well, that's good. Well, I'm glad you could be here to help introduce it to the market. That's amazing. Uh, one of the things I was curious about too is the guy who was so fit at the. I mean, you're basically at the peak of fitness at uh, your high point in your career how do you do now you're living in colorado you're up at altitude you're dealing with one lung i guess you got what did you say one lobe left from the lung that they took out
1: i do and that lobe's paralyzed uh so i do breathe at 48 percent of overall lung capacity my i don't know if you know what a vo- uh a pulse ox oximeter is sure. but normal normal like you and i sitting here i'd be at 98 uh, percent. i normally sit at the hypoxic levels of 86 to 80. Um, anytime I do push myself in strenuous activity, it'll drop into the 70s, which is really bad for my organs. But uh, super stubborn because of my upbringing and where I'm at. Like, I don't care. So I just keep pushing it. Just climbed the highest peak in Colorado, which is uh, Mount Elbert, with a couple other veterans, uh, amputees at the time. And uh, there were some pretty satirical jokes that happened there. But. Uh, do I do not look at my disability as a limitation. Uh, everything from the teams translates. so adapt and overcome mm. and I don't I don't look at it as like a pity party like woe is me? I'm just gonna say if this is where I'm at, I'm gonna show everybody you can still be great.
0: Uh, Kill Cliff, no sugar, big fan. All right. Uh, and I see the can 15 calories. so uh, lots of different flavors.
1: Yeah, uh, actually we have twelve. Okay. Um, not including our CBD li- our CBD line, which we just launched with Southern Glazers. Uh, MK uh, Distributors has uh, been a pleasure to work with, and they're helping us get this product to the market here in Ar- Arkansas, which is amazing. Uh, we we definitely f- it's a category that we'd love to be in. Uh, a lot of Patriots out here, which is cool. That's
0: awesome. Yeah, we're gonna give you some opportunities. I think I got an idea for you guys, so maybe we can uh, help expand on the introduction to the market. So we'll work on that. So the whole team has been good, huh? Even John has been all right?
1: Oh, especially John. Okay. (laughs) I don't believe that.
0: Uh, So that is Tasty Blood Orange. I'm going to see if it lives up to the name here in a minute. Awesome. Dash Dong Wong, you are a great American, my friend. I appreciate you. It's a great story. I'd love to visit with you a little longer, but uh, we're up against it. We'll do it again, though.